I'm Lloyd Freeman, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. It seems like a no-brainer, at least to me, uh, whether or not you should take parental leave, right? You have a newborn child, and you're faced with this option as to whether or not you want to take some time to really bond with the uh, the newborn. And the studies show that it improves outcomes for the kids, um, that it very much so increases that gender equity at home, and it's really great for the family. It provides so many advantages, but not everyone takes advantage of it. And I think you'd be shocked to hear that the demographics of those who are taking advantage of it, they're starting to shift. To break all of this down for us is my really good friend, Danny Rossetti. Danny's the Chief Talent Officer of Buchanan, Ingersoll and Rooney. And Danny is going to talk to us about parental leave. Welcome, Danny, to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited about this. And it's such a personal topic. And I know that you probably share that with me. Um, back in the day, if you will, at a prior employer, I rolled out a gender neutral parental leave. And I was the first one to take that leave and uh, really being number one, a man uh, and taking parental leave was a huge step um, at that time, of course, uh, because not many men were doing it. Uh, and it certainly wasn't what I did with my first child. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I really wanna back up and make sure that everyone completely understands uh, what parental leave is and where it comes from. It's really a part of the Family Medical Leave Act, correct? Correct. It is separate and apart. We have our own, Buchanan has our own parental leave policies and they vary um, by employer, but the Family Medical Leave Act provides the umbrella and some of the structure and the safety nets and has a general application for other employers in addition to Buchanan, of course. Mm -hmm. And it's actually parental leave, right? Gender neutral. It's no longer maternity leave. When do we make that shift? And I think it's obvious, but why do we make that shift? So I have been at the firm for 15 years and I have seen a lot of progress in this area. And like you, I have personally worked on evolving our policy. So when we were first um, talking about leave when I joined the firm, we very much did describe it as maternity leave and we mm -hmm. did have paternity leave. And as of at least five or six years ago, we changed that. Our first change didn't get us all the way there. We changed it to primary leave and secondary leave, which yes, sometimes we had men that applied for primary leave, but let's be honest, generally we fell the same lines as maternity and paternity leave. <laughs> and as of about five or six years ago, we have changed it to one policy that is called parental leave. I, I can tell you that as someone who was faced with do you to take leave or not to take leave that huge question uh as as a father um just understanding maybe some of the um uh, the stigma that that is associated with it what were some of those early thoughts uh that you heard um you know in your role uh from men from from the fathers uh you know the the non-child uh birthing parent around taking leave so I would hear from men, the non-birthing parents. So let's back up a little bit because there are distinctions, right? We know that women are the ones that bear the children. Mm -hmm. And so when people think about, you know, should these be different? Should they all be under the same umbrella? We can't ignore that distinction. But what we do is we have a separate disability leave, and that applies to the health, the recovery of the woman who does bear the child. And then we have this second part that is the parental leave. 
that is really used for the purposes that you opened up the call with, with bonding with the child and really setting that tone at home and making sure that people have the time to spend with their families before they come back and you know jump back into the workforce. So we do have distinctions in that you know there is a, a disability portion for women, but after that, the parental leave is applied equally. Um, there was a lot of hesitation from men, even when it was called paternity leave, and we did have two different time periods. We had, after the disability portion, we had six weeks of parental leave for women to take, and we had two weeks of um, paternity leave for men to take. And there was still a hesitation just to take those two weeks. They were worried about the stigma. They would worry what others thought of them. They would worry that maybe they would be treated differently, not get assigned to the cases they normally might be assigned to, even uh, with such a brief period of time. Like Danny, I was, I was scared about promotion. Uh, so the, the year that my daughter was born, this was our first child, um, I was up for partner. And, uh, you know, she was um, born somewhat six months. So like kind of halfway through the year and I had really, really good hours. And I remember she was born on a Tuesday and I just took the rest of the week off and was back in the office on that Monday. And I kind of didn't want anyone to make any kind of a big deal about it. It was, no, I've got to get back in the office. No one told me I had to, you know, no one was forcing me, but it was just kind of this thing that I felt like I had to do. Again, I guess kind of society told me that I needed to do it. But then you have others from maybe even a generation, you know, before us who kind of wore it as a badge of honor, men and women, about not taking that much, you know, parental leave. Did you also hear that? I did hear that. And I can share a personal story that before I was going on leave, and this was 15 years ago. So yes, you talk about different generations, but even 15 years ago, I had women talk to me um, at my former firm and talk about in a way where they were bragging that they never turned their out of office reply on, that mm -hmm. they were doing deals from the hospital and that clients didn't even know that they had had a child because they kept that a secret and they did not want the level of service that they provided to the client to waver. So yes, and you know, let's be honest, sometimes we think, okay, it's our own insecurities, it's what we are worried about, why are we not taking it? But years ago, there was some real pressure from supervisors. There, you know, maybe it wasn't stated very explicitly, that it was not encouraged to take leave, but there were hints and there were real feelings that supervisors um, spoke about. Again, they talked about when they were having children and they expected, okay, I went through this, so you know, I'm expecting the same from you. And so the the uh, the hesitation and the worry was real. Yeah, I I'm so happy that, you know, the culture, not only at our firm, but just kind of in our country, uh, it's beginning to to take a turn and, and a turn for the better. Uh, again, I only named a few of those benefits, but I can tell you that the difference, you know, comparing what I just described in, you know, the very short, what, four days that I took off after my daughter was born, when my son was born, 
I was a chief diversity officer and I'd wrote out that gender neutral parental leave. And so I couldn't be a hypocrite and not take the leave myself. Uh, and, and I took it and I took the full 12 weeks. I was at home for three months with my son and just to be able, and my wife was not, you know, so she took her leave and then I came in right after. And so it was just me and the baby. Uh, and you are right. There are definitely differences between mom and dad. And <laughs> that's another show <laughs> because I was kind of thrown <laughs> into the fire, never having done that before, you you know, kind of all on me, but it was great. And the photos that I have, you know, of us just having our bonding time and the things that we did and all the videos that we made. I mean, it was just time that I will never forget. Um, but of course, I know that that's not everyone's story. And so on average, across the country, you know, men are taking parental leave at a lower rate than women. We know that. But we saw a very different story at Buchanan last year, where some 65% of the individuals who took parental leave at the firm were men. This is at a law firm, and only 35% of them were women. So what do you make of these numbers? What do you think kind of caused uh, us to, to have those kind of statistics? So we have made our policy, our parental leave policy, more flexible. It is eight weeks of paid leave. We also have the ability for people to add their vacation time onto those eight weeks, and they can take an additional period up to six months of unpaid leave. And the way that we allow people to apply the paid leave is very flexible. So sometimes men will want to take leave, especially if it's been a particularly difficult um, childbirth experience simultaneous or contemporaneous to the leave that their wife or their partner takes. And sometimes it is after the um, first person or the woman that concludes their leave that men will add on to the leave after. And we don't ask that people take or require that people take the leave um, all eight weeks in a row. So you can break up the leave, you can take it week by week. So as long as generally, and we've certainly made exceptions to this, that the leave is taken within six months of the birth of the child or the adoption of the child, we allow people to break it up. So they can take time when necessary um, and what makes sense for their family. You know, whenever I hear, um, listen, whichever parent, right, a male, female, uh, you know, someone who's adopting, having a surrogate, whenever I hear of someone expecting a child, I go right into telling, you know, the story that I just mentioned about how I spent that that great three months with my son, and it was just the best bonding time, and I have like some thousand pictures, and my phone is at capacity because of all the, uh, you know, pictures that we took together, um, and that's kind of my own personal strategy for really encouraging you know, a new parent or, or a parent generally um, to take parental leave. What are some of the larger um, or, or best practices, if you will, um, tactics that employers can adopt to really encourage men and women to make sure that they're taking this parental leave that they're entitled to? Yes. Well, I think the first thing that employers need to do is really discuss it openly. We talk about it on the website. We talk about it now in recruiting. We talk about it at section meetings, and we're very transparent about it. And employers really, and employees themselves who are thinking about taking leave and what that leave is going to look like, need to view it as 
a long-term, not a short-term issue. So in the whole scheme of their careers, like you mentioned before, this is a period of time that they are not going to be able to get back. It happens once, or sometimes you have multiple kids, but it happens once per child. And you aren't able to go back and do it again. Your career is long, but this period of time is finite and it's not going to derail all of your goals. Um, there are others that you can look around um, you know, at the firm or wherever your place of employment is that have achieved great levels of success and have spent the time with their families you know, when that moment happened and really just you know, look at what it means big picture. And I truly believe this. I'm very sincere. I think being a good parent and having, you know, that experience makes you a better lawyer. It makes you a better employee. So doing that is going to add to your compassion and your empathy and your resilience. And all of those things will translate. So this isn't you know, deciding that for this period of time, you have to be a good parent and you're not going to be a good lawyer during that period of time, they overlap. And thinking about, you know, that big picture in that way, I think can be really useful. And I think it truly adds to your inclusion strategy. You know, people want to work for a company, whether it's a law firm or, or other, that supports them. They want to work, you know, for people or with people who are good people who care about, you know, all of their different dimensions of diversity, whether you are a parent, whether you're a single parent, you know, and the fact that you've got an employer who's encouraging you to go out, take leave, you know, we're going to pay you, we're going to make sure that you're taken care of. But what's most important right now, like you mentioned, is this time that you can't get back. That's something that is not really quantifiable. That's something that if you got, you know, a competing offer to the shop down the street, you're not really going to go there because you're, you're remembering, you know what, this is a place that really cares about me and doesn't just care about me, you know, Danny, the lawyer, or, or Danny, the person who can bring in, you know, this much business or build these many hours, they care about Danny, the parent. Uh, and when people really start to think about what's most important to them, I'm, I'm sure being a parent is very high on that list. Um, I think it bears mentioning that, you know, there are some very severe racial and ethnic disparities when it comes to paid parental leave in, in the United States. And there's a health equity report that was published back in 2021, and it found that, you know, Black and Hispanic women had significantly less access to paid leave through their employers um, or even through, you know, government programs than their, you know, counterparts, their white or Asian counterparts. Uh, and as it related to white women, um, Asian, Hispanic, and Black women receive fewer weeks of full pay equivalent than, than their, uh, their counterparts. And so the study goes on to conclude uh, that, of course, some of these disparities very much so can end up exacerbating some of the racial inequities that people experience at birth. And so I know that this is really something that stems from the larger you know, structural forms of racism that we have in the United States, but how can employers ensure that their policies are equitable across all racial and ethnic groups? Yes, um, it's an important question. And let's talk about FMLA. It was an important piece of legislation. I mean, before that, it was common, not just risky, but it was common for people to lose their jobs when they said that they were going to, you know, take time off or something like the birth of a child. And FMLA is important. It does protect jobs, but it is not perfect. And we still 
I believe are in need of additional legislation that is related. And one thing that could be really helpful for employers is not just protecting the job, but it is paying. Sometimes people are not in a financial situation where they can take that leave, even if they want to, without it being paid. And FMLA does not apply to smaller employers. And so people from underrepresented groups, some of those that you just mentioned, um, may be at um, an employer or working for a company that does not fall under FMLA. So something that I think we need to do to really combat, and this is Buchanan and this is everyone, for things to be applied equally is to be very proactive. When I find out that somebody is expecting a child or somebody is planning to expand their family, um, I reach out. It is common, I think you would agree with me, that sometimes people from underrepresented groups aren't going to be as proactive in raising their hand or asking for things because they do not want to appear you know, like they are, you know, seeking out any special treatment or distinguishing themselves in any way. So as the employer being proactive, making sure that people are informed and talking to them about everything that they are entitled to do, and also providing that support and that structure and a plan. I like to talk to people about what their parental leaves would look like so it doesn't feel so intimidating. Depending on your own personality and how you are planning or you know what you're envisioning for your parental leave, you can stay as connected or not connected as you want to. So we don't allow, in fact, it's a policy if somebody is on disability to be working during that period of time because somebody needs to focus on their health and their recovery. But during the parental leave, if you want to participate in certain training programs or certain meetings that the firm is having, you're not precluded from doing that. And sometimes people don't want, they want to, and I completely respect that. They want to completely disengage. But sometimes it really helps somebody feel like, okay, I can do this because I'm not going to be completely in the dark about what is happening at the firm, what is happening at my practice. So I can just pick and choose to participate in you know, updates and just keep in mind and keep myself in the know of what is happening, even though I am not assigned to cases or I'm not actively working on cases. And that can make the leave a little less scary. Yeah, but but I know that as a part of that plan that you talked about um, putting together with the person who's going out on leave, you have to think about the transition back into the workplace. And so, as you mentioned, right. you know, people are, of course, they get some severe anxiety even thinking about, you know, not being connected to their work or being connected to their clients for for that amount of time. I've heard of, you know, ramp up periods and and other ways in which, you know, you can really ensure there's going to be a smooth return or transition back into your workplace. What is a ramp up period uh, and what is your advice for employers as they're trying to put together a plan for that return to office? So the biggest piece of advice is to communicate to over communicate at Buchanan, we don't have a defined ramp up period, but we are really going to take the lead of the person who is coming back. So what does that ramp up period look like for you? Um, sometimes we have people that come back and don't have a full billable hour target, and some people want to come back and do that. 
And regardless if they've officially changed their billable hour target or not in a period that follows their parental leave, there is still an understanding by the firm that this isn't, you're not going to flip a switch and be exactly where you were, you know, maybe a year ago. So I sit on in on a compensation meetings, I sit on promotion meetings, and we are aware, and this is not, you know, for any, to disadvantage anybody that was on a leave, but to provide, you know, that asterisk and that understanding and that perspective of when we are viewing somebody's hours and maybe, you know, business development efforts or outside commitments, knowing, um, that they were coming back and they were just getting you know, ramped up. So the other thing that can be incredibly helpful for employers to do, and we offer this if somebody is interested, but having a re-entry mentor, and mm. this is somebody that is in addition to any sponsors or mentors or other people that you know, might have um, contributed or continue to contribute to your career, but somebody who not that long ago, because the timing is important, um, finding somebody who can talk about very openly and honestly how they handle different things, obstacles they faced, um, best practices, communications that they had with supervisors or with the firm or with clients that proved to be incredibly useful for them. So knowing that other people have done it, who have navigated these waters, who are willing to share their stories with you can be very powerful and very comforting and useful for somebody who is re-entering their job after leave. And we actually have a an affinity group that, that's dedicated to our working parents. And so to the point that you mentioned about finding a mentor, you know, also maybe even finding um, a, a support group, you know, a, a group of people that you can just go and 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 check your experiences and make sure that, you know, did the firm really or did the company really live up to, you know, everything they promised around, you know, ensuring that this was not going to, you know, uh, work to your detriment when it came time for compensation or promotion and really getting those reassurances uh, to be able to decrease that level of stress and anxiety that you're already going to have. Promise me, uh, I can promise you from dealing with a newborn, <laughs> you can be able to alleviate a little bit of that uh, by finding individuals in your workplace who you can actually share some stories with. You do. And sometimes they're outside of your workplace. Sometimes mm. they are, you know, close friends. Um, they can have similar positions, attorneys at other law firms they, that we are all friends with. And really understanding and knowing what the firm's offerings are. So most places are going to offer something like an EAP or therapy or ongoing um, resources in the wellness area that, again, we have to destigmatize, you know, taking advantage of any, you know, therapy or anything that you can do um, in that postpartum period. Um, Buchanan also offers childcare. So we have 10 days of backup childcare, which can be incredibly helpful, especially during periods of time where you're just starting off or you're just taking a child into a center oh, or yeah. maybe you're trying out a new nanny and, and something is working and there's there's going to be those those blips or, or those days where you just feel like you need that extra support. And Buchanan has that. 
And people should not be afraid to ask for some flexible working arrangements during this period of time. We have all, one of the silver linings that came out of COVID is we have all been able to work from home successfully. And I think people would be surprised at the willingness of employers and direct supervisors to you know, have some flexibility. Sometimes people need to start their day at home. And they need to make sure that, you know, then they take a break and the nanny's getting there and then they come into the office. Or maybe there is a day where in the past they would have to take a vacation day, but they can split up that day and not have to take an entire vacation day because they can work a portion of that day, though a childcare issue has arisen, they can work a part of that day at home. So taking advantage of some flexibility, taking advantage of firm resources can, and really communicating with your supervisors and with you know, people in HR or other managers um, that you may need to report to or interact with is key. So Danny, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that we take some time to to kind of delve into parental leave policies and the work that still needs to be done across the country to ensure that LGBTQ plus families have equal access, equal access to all of the policies that we've discussed earlier today, to all the leave, et cetera. Earlier in the episode, we briefly touched on FMLA. Uh, does FMLA currently provide LGBTQ plus individuals the same protections? Yes, with respect to time off for parental leave. So mm -hmm. you do have those protections as a parent, um, even if it's not a biological relationship with the children, similar to a heterosexual couple who adopts. Where the FMLA does fall short, however, and not with parental leave specifically, but in a related area, is that it does not cover care for domestic partnerships. So employers themselves can have more comprehensive policies as we at Buchanan do. Understood. But there's still more work for the workplace. Uh, we have more work to do to make our policies more inclusive all around. Uh, and so what would be your advice to employers as they're looking to make their parental leave policies more inclusive, particularly for uh, LGBTQ plus families? Sure. Well, employers should regularly review language and their policies to ensure equity. Communication is always the key communication that's done on a large scale basis and also on an individual basis for those who are impacted. And less formally than just writing policies or discussing policies when <laughs> describing leaves less formally we should use LGBTQ plus examples. Yes, no, that's perfect. As people are continuing to do this work, continuing to make their policies more inclusive, are there any specific resources or support networks that you've come across that you use yourself um, or, or that LGBTQ families can turn to for guidance and advice during the parental leave process? Sure, there are many. So here at Buchanan, we do have two affinity groups that can provide support um, for LGBTQ plus families. We have our pride affinity group and we have a caregiver affinity group. Regardless if you're at Buchanan or at another employer, you can always talk to HR wherever you work 
And most employers, especially larger employers, have EAPs, so that is Employee Assistance Programs, who can address counseling needs, things such as, you know, how to bond with your children, how to talk to others about your family planning in a non-traditional aspect. Um, but outside of Buchanan, there are a myriad of support groups. One in particular that I like is Rainbow Families, and they do have a guiding principle that LGBTQ plus have the same equitable path to parenthood. However, even beyond just parents and parental leave, there are so many support groups out there, um, local support groups, things that have chapters but are part of national organizations, and they all have different principles and, and different audiences maybe that their support is directed to. Um, some are for parents who are starting family planning. Um, some are for children with LGBTQ plus parents, parents of LGBTQ plus children, um, allies. So really you can find a lot of support groups out there through a simple Google search that are very tailored to your needs. But I think everything that you just said makes uh, underscores really the importance of making sure that you've got this a very inclusive work environment where people feel comfortable sharing, uh, where you can know that your colleagues have, you know, perhaps experienced some of the same um, uh, life situations that you are experiencing, and and you can go to them for some advice, or you can share stories, uh, and certainly who has um, uh, taken advantage of things like an EAP. It's a wonderful resource that I know is rarely tapped into, or not tapped into enough, I should say. Agree. And when you reach out to some something like an EAP, it's important to remember that you can make requests. You can ask for specialized therapists in mm. this area. So you know, there are a lot of therapists who will work with you and, and talk about things generally. But if you feel like you want somebody in a niche area, then you just need to be vocal and make those requests. I love it. But you have to first start by understanding all of this and making sure that you are aware uh, of what all of the um, the benefits are that could be offered to you. There's a lot and, out there. We just have to, people like you and I have to make sure that we are the ones that are making connections um, and then, you know, put the onus on employees themselves to be proactive and, and seek out assistance. Sage advice. Danny, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Dimensions of Diversity is brought to you by Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney. Please rate and review our podcast. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to subscribe to hear all of our new content as we continue to explore ways in which we can all advance diversity and inclusion. I'm your host, Lloyd Freeman, and thank you for listening. <laughs>